Ephesians. Some of this you've heard before. Some of it you haven't. But Jesus, I just pray over this message today, and I pray, and I thank you for the revelation. Thank you for the revelation that you give us. Thank you, God, for what you're doing, <coughs> how you're blessing in Jesus' name. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your power. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of the message today is, What is Your Opponent's Name? What is your opponent's name? The word, as you define the word opponent, it is someone who competes against or fights another. B.J. Roberts, uh, a dear friend of ours, uh, used to be at Maranatha and, and pastors Kingdom Life in Nitro, said something one time that I never forgot. He said that your, your battle doesn't have a face. So if your battle doesn't have a face, that means your opponent doesn't have a face or doesn't even have skin. We, we often say, that, you know, that person gets on my nerves. Uh, it's not what that person is. It's what that, what that person inhabits. It's what that person holds. Have you ever noticed somebody come in, comes into the room and everything's happy and everything's good? <clears throat> and then they come in the room and it just seems like the, it all changes. People carry certain things. People carry certain things and it's up to us to discern those certain things. And then what we can do is as we see those certain things come about and as we feel those things, then what we can do is we can actually, uh, we can actually in the spirit world, in the spirit realm, bind those things and change it back. Somebody mentioned to me the other day, I said, they said the world is in a mess. And I said, yeah, the church let it get there. And I said, I think we can change it back. I think we can make a difference in this thing. Because your opponent doesn't have a face. And let me give you the scripture that goes with it. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh or blood. So right there takes care of it. I don't have to read the rest of it. We wrestle not against flesh or blood. But against the principalities, against the powers, and against the rulers and against the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Understand, understand something, John Sandy said this today in his lesson, you know, we have spirit, soul, and body. You know, our flesh did not get saved. Our flesh was not saved. Our flesh did not get saved. If you went to an altar, or if you uh, accepted Jesus into your heart and life, going down the road, whatever you were doing, your flesh did not get saved. And you do not have a little tiny spirit inside of you. You have God's spirit inside of you. And it's a mature spirit that's inside of you. You have a mature spirit that is within inside of you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, you also have that within inside of you. Nowhere in the scripture does it say that your flesh is saved, but every place in the scripture that I've read, it tells you that your flesh has to be crucified. It has to be killed. It has to be nailed to the cross. Whatever it might be that, that, that keeps your relationship from where it needs to be with Jesus, then what you have to do is you have to nail that to the cross. And some of us may have to do it every day. We may have to put it on the cross every day. You know, if you have a temper, nail it to the cross every day until it's gone. And what it means to, to, to nail something to the cross means that you are surrendering it. And that's the important part of it, is that we are surrendering it. The, the New Living Translation says, For we wrestle not, for we are not fighting against flesh or blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authority of the unseen world, 
against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. See, although your opposition has skin, this is not where it comes from. It's not the Democrats, it's not the Republicans, it's not the Independents, it's not the mayor, <clears throat> it's not the sheriff. It's the principalities and the powers and rulers of darkness of this world. And that is why we have to continue to pray. That is the only way, Connie, that we'll beat it, is through prayer. That is the only way that we do it, and that is what is lacking within the church today. More than anything is prayer. Prayer is the key. That is the key to success in the kingdom of God. Your success is not measured by how much money you leave in your legacy. It doesn't matter that. What matters is, and your success is measured by the people that are going to heaven with you. The people that you pray for and they're delivered and set free. That's where our success is. Our success is not in the diplomas on the wall. So as we talk about what is, your, what is your opponent's name, think about some things. Why do Christians publicize their opponents more than their champion? Think of that. Why do Christians today publicize their opponent more than the champion? And who is the champion? The champion is Jesus Christ. The champion shall never be defeated. The champion will never be defeated. And if the champion lives inside of us, then we need to walk in victory and not defeat. Because the same champion is inside of us. See, we, we talk and we own these things. And, and if you watch television today, you'll see all these things and all, I mean, it's amazing it tells you that you know you're growing older because of the TV commercials that you watch on the shows that you watch. They're pinpointing you. You know, if you have lambago, take this pill and then go sit in the bathtub and we'll take a picture of you. You know, there's two people that are sitting there and they're taking pictures of them and they're holding hands. It's the dumbest stuff. And then you have to be careful as they're giving you the suggestions of what the sickness is, you think, well, I got that. Come on now, straighten your halo. You know it's true. You say, well, I feel that way, or I feel that way. No. Don't buy into the market schemes of the devil to tell you it's prettier on the other side. Don't listen to the enemy. But yet we talk about the depression, and then we put... Then we put ownership to it. My depression, my cancer, my, my uh, anxiety. Then, then we label it and we make it ours. And we go to bed with it every night. And we sleep with it. And, we, and, and you know, uh, if you have a problem with pornography or if you have a problem with lust or greed or gossip, you go to bed with it. You have Thanksgiving dinner with it. You have Christmas with it. <coughs> you make room for it in your life. It's time for you to kick some stuff out of your house. It's time to get rid of stuff. You know, I remember years ago, 
And I can't remember the lady's name, but I do remember her. She lived in our neighborhood. She, she passed away, but she knew, she knew your all's mom. And when I was at your mom's funeral, this lady was there also, but she lived in our neighborhood. And so one of the recommendations that they have in our neighborhood is that you leave your lights on. Your, your garage lights and your front light and all this kind of stuff. And she stops me at your, old mom, your mom's funeral. Helen was a wonderful lady. She says, John, can I ask you something? I said, sure. She said, why don't you leave your lights on at your house? And I said, well, I can't remember the lady's name. I called her by name at that point. And I said, let me tell you why. I said, Number one, the homeowners association doesn't send me a check every month to pay for the lights. And I says, and number two, when we moved in, we anointed every room in that house, including the front door, including the porch. When our son and daughter-in-law moved in their house in Georgetown, Kentucky, we did the same thing. We prayed over their home. We bound everything that was, that was left and everything in the future. And I looked at her and I said, I don't know if you see them or not when you drive by at night. And I said, but there are angels that stand 24-7 at my house. I said, I don't have to leave lights on because I'm not afraid of the dark. This place is dark at night, isn't it? After Andy's uncle died, Jim, Jim was goofy. Jim was funny. Many times he would walk down this altar and you didn't know what you was going to get, right, Andy? And we miss him. After he passed away, there were just certain things that happened in this church that was Jim. They were sitting, who was it, Penny and who else? Were, they were all sitting back there when we had pews. And we were singing, thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. And that's his favorite song. And, and Penny said that when we started singing that song, one of the obituaries of his fell at her feet. So... I got to thinking about some stuff like that. <clears throat> and when I started walking through this church after he passed away, I started turning lights on because I was expecting him to jump around the corner just at any minute. I mean, he was that way. <laughs> but I'm not afraid of the dark. I'm not afraid of anything because I have the child of God inside of me. I, I am a child of God. I have Jesus Inside of me. So don't talk about your cancer and don't talk about your depression. Talk about the champion. The champion who died for all of that. COVID, I don't even put a capital C to it. I'm going to give you a scripture here in a minute where the devil is a little deep. Don't give words power that are negative. 
People hardly ever talk about my God, my deliverer, my healer, in whom will I trust? But they'll publicize the opponent all the day. I don't know if you all follow Colorado State and, and Deion Sanders. I don't know if any of you follow him. He's taken a whooping the past two weeks. But I like his philosophy. I, li I like some of the things that he says. And I listened to his post-interview <clears throat> last week after they, after they got killed by Oregon. And I listened to his, his post-interview. He never mentioned his opponent in the interview. He never mentioned Oregon State has a great team. He never mentioned the coach is a great guy. He never even talked about the opponent. But what he talked about was his strategies. What he talked about is how he was going to do it the next time. The things that they have to work on. He never mentioned the opponent's name. And when you mention your opponent's name, you give your opponent notoriety. Drug addiction. You talk about the drug addiction, and I'm not telling you to brush this stuff under the carpet. I'm not telling you to do that, but what I am telling you is that we have to begin to talk about the deliverer the one who sets us free, the one who saves us, instead of talking about the one who binds us. And until we do, we're going to continue to be like, uh, like an emotional wreck in a roller coaster up and down. Stop talking about those things, and it will help you to walk in victory instead of walking in defeat. I choose not to. And then, when you give your opponent notoriety, then you give them the power and popularity. You give them power and popularity over yourself. And I know we all have opponents. I know that we all have things that we're dealing with in our lives. But it's time to stop being your opponent's friend it's time for you to stop allowing it to be like a playground bully. It's time for you to knock out your opponent in Jesus' name. There was one, I don't know who it was, but it was years before me. Dad may remember, um, but I don't, I don't think it was Cassius Clay, but it may have been. But there was one boxer that never sat down in between the, in between the, uh, the battle, in between the boxing rounds. In between the rounds, he did not sit down, but he stood up and he never left eye contact with his opponent. You can't do it. You cannot give the enemy an inch, because if you do, he'll take a mile. There doesn't have to even be a match. There doesn't have to be a game. Shut it up. 
before it builds the notoriety and the publicity. And then it will start to define who you are. You are only defeated if you want to be. If you choose to be. Sometimes I believe that the church looks so much like the world, it's beat up. The, the world, the church looks so beat up sometimes. And the church doesn't have to be beat up. <coughs> when you define addiction, it means this, the fact or condition of being addicted to a particular substance, thing, or activity. So I want to ask you something. Because of the cross, do you have authority over addiction? Some of you believe that. Let me ask it again. Because of the cross, do you have authority over addiction? Do you have to be addicted? Did God call anybody to be addicted? No. What did God call us to do but to be free? <clears throat> do we have authority over depression? Do we, have def do we have authority over anxiety? Do we have authority over sickness? That's because of who we are. <coughs> I'm going to give you a scripture. And I don't know if you ever read this or not. It's going to knock your socks off. This is Revelation 12, 1 through 12. And there appeared a great woman, a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed, clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and under her head a crown of 12 stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven and beheld a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the star of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered from the devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth the man-child, who was the rule of all nations, with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled unto the wilderness where she had placed and prepared of God that they should flee her thee a thousand to two thousand to three scores days. Verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought and his angels. 
and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world, and he was cast into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down which accused them before God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb And by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto the death. And they overcame, verse 11, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. What is your testimony today? I'm broke, I'm defeated, <coughs> nobody loves me, nobody cares about me, I'll never have a good job, I'll never have this, I'll never have that. You are defined by your testimony. Heaven defines you by your testimony. I'm a child of the Most High God. I am the head and not the tail. I am the lender, not the borrower. I'm above and not beneath, and the devil is under my feet. Every morning I say that because that is the word of my testimony. I am not addicted. I am not sick. I am healed in Jesus' name because of Calvary. It's all because of Calvary. I'm going to throw this in if I can. Revelation 20, verse. Let's go with verse 7. 20 and verse 7. And when the thousand years had expired, Satan was loosed out of his prison. <laughs> and so go out and deceive the nations and the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, and gather them together to battle, and the numbers of whom is the sand of the sea. And they went up on the, uh, is that breath, 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 you got to really be good on that one, and the earth, and compassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city, and the fire came down from God out of heaven, and devoured them. Have mercy. You're addicted to stuff and all, all God has to do is like that and devour them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. 
and shall be tor tormented day and night forever and ever. Verse 11 says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat upon it, from whose face of the earth and the heaven fled away. <coughs> and there was found no place for him. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. Hear that? Plural books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. So you have to understand something is that there are books, and I'll show you here in just a second, and then there's a book that has your name written in it if you've accepted Jesus. <clears throat> the book of life, and the dead were judged, and out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So your works, you're not saved by your works, but they're in the books. Is that what it says? Judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. The sea gave up its dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which was in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. There's some people I wouldn't care to be in front of. Because I know it would go quick. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was also cast into the lake of fire. Can I tell you something? The lake of fire is not real estate that you are to occupy. It never was. It never is. And it never will be. It's not an area that you're supposed to be involved in. I believe in deathbed repentance, but why cut it so close? I'll leave you with this scripture here today. Luke chapter 10, 17 through 20. I read this a lot. And the 70 returned again with the joy saying, Lord, even the devils are small d. Look at that. No power. What has capitalized? What? Look at what you capitalize and look at what you don't. Even the devils are subject unto you through your name. Every demonic spirit is subject to you. Through the blood of Calvary. I'm surprised there are not people running all over this church. I'm telling you, you have the power. You are the church. You cannot be defeated. You are, you are above and not beneath. And the subjects that are aggravating you, the spirits that are aggravating you, it's time for you to knock them out. And stop talking about them. Stop giving them power and start publicizing them. Stop publicizing them.
And he said unto them, Jesus said this, and I, I followed this up in Revelation 12, and Jesus was there when this happened. He said, I, I, you know, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. He said, I saw Satan fall from heaven. And behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over some of the power of the enemy. What's all mean? So let's name some things that is the enemy. Addiction? Give, give me some more. Depression? Give me some more. Cancer? Poverty? Huge. We have power over all of it. It just depends on how much of it you'll take. I take none of it. Power over all the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding that you rejoice not that the spirits are what? Subject? That means you tell them what to do. They don't tell you what to do. Nothing by any means is going to hurt you. Notwithstanding that you rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your name is written in heaven and is in the book. And then you want to know how you're supposed to live? John 10, 10. The thief comes not but to for to steal and to kill and to destroy. He says, but I come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I can't preach any more revelation than what I've got right there. When I figured this out, when I figured that what that scripture was, Jesse, the poverty stopped. When I, when I figured that out, Tori, there, there wasn't no anxiety. There wasn't no depression. Uh, I didn't struggle there anyway, but there wasn't none of that. Once you figure out who you are in Christ and you turn this thing, you turn Braxton County around. You change how this is. You change your work environment. Somebody said one time, if I get saved, I'm going to have to get new friends. No, get your friends saved. You don't get new friends, just get them saved. Power in this word. And that's what you got today. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Jesus. Give him some praise in the house. Oh, I praise you, God. You're worthy to be praised. Worthy, so worthy to be praised. Hey, if you're not where you need to be today... What you have to do is believe in him. It's what the word says. You believe in him. You begin to follow him. You begin to get in a Bible-believing church. You begin to read his word. And you see great things take place within your life.
And if you let the enemy lie to you and say, well, you got to clean this up first, or I got to clean that up first, I got to change this and I change that, <clears throat> you're wasting your time because once God gets you, he's going to change you anyway. He's going to make you into something else that he wants you to be and to, to what you think you should be. It's what he wants. If you're not where you need to be today, there's an altar that's open. You can come to this altar. You can bow down. You can say, Father, see, an altar is a place where things die. You can come to an altar and you can say, Father, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of all the things that I've done. You don't have to name them. Just ask him to forgive you. And then when you do that, things change. Things change. I don't know how he does it, Dustin, but he does it, doesn't he? He changes us. He makes us into something. A willing vessel and something that he's proud of. Do you know that God's proud of you? He's not mad at you. He's proud of you. He loves you. He cares about you. The altar's open. Come and pray. You need to knock something out. Come to the altar and do it. Say, I refuse. I'm not living this way anymore. I'm done. I encourage you to do that today. God's only son, perfect and spotless one. And he never sinned, but suffered as if he did. And all authority, every victory.
That's me. We win. We're winners now.
Tuesday, Nellie's going to have her knee or her hip replaced. And, and so I had the opportunity to pray with her, pray with her yesterday. And I, I just want you to agree with me and agree with the family today that uh, this is a done deal. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for Nellie. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that this hip replacement, Father God, I just pray restored healed, whole in Jesus' name. Thank you for peace. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name, that the pain is gone. And I give you thanks, and I give you praise, and I give you glory, because it is in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Ain't God faithful? Serve a faithful God. Amen. Faithful God. If you'd like to be a part of the backpack program, uh, we've got forms somewhere. I think we used them all, and I need to get some more. But, uh, but anyway, you can become a, a partner with the backpack program for, did we say 300 or 350? Which one? Three, 300? 300 per year. You can, you can put that into uh, monthly, uh, and, uh, and God is just doing great things. We want to, look, here's the thing. When we do outreach, we need to tell people why we're doing outreach. We're doing outreach because we want you to come to our church. We want you to be saved. We don't want people to have to guess. We want you saved. We want you to be what God has called you to be. And so I'm just excited for what God's doing, what he's going to do, and how he's blessing. Have a great day, everybody. Enjoy this beautiful weather 80 degrees in October 1st, and sunny, I'll take it, Jesus' name. Have a great day, everybody.